This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 129. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 129. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is brought to you by Aptiv. Aptiv is an app that brings your workouts right into your earbuds by syncing the motivational guidance of a personal trainer with the perfect playlist to bring you an elevated on-demand audio fitness experience. Hello, shameless moms. Big announcement. Spring has arrived in Seattle. It is fully sunny and warm. I feel like a new person. People are smiling and saying hello to each other in the parking lots and the grocery stores and at drop-off and pickup. It is like there's just a lot of joy right now. It is so nice after having such a treacherous stretch of rain and gloom and doom in this city for so many months. Like literally, we've just continued to set record after record of rainfall and gray days. It started in October. So like we've earned the sun and we have a good week and a half of it coming up of just sunny days every day, like 80 degrees next week in the middle of the week. So I'm feeling like a new woman. I'm also feeling pretty jazzed because I got to give some credit to my shameless mom momentum masterminders. These mamas are on fire on Thursday. So I'm recording on Friday. On Thursday, I met with my own coach. So I have my own coach who helps me with things. And she's like, so what's going on? What are your wins? Because just like I have my mastermind people do, we go through wins every week. And so I'm telling her my wins. And I'm like, I'm loving my mastermind group. Like this is the most fun thing ever. These women are blowing me away every single day with the things that they're accomplishing, the things that they want to try, the ways that they want to be held accountable. And it's just amazing. And so I wanted to read to you all a little testimonial that one of the moms wrote over the course of the week. So in our private Facebook group, every day we have little prompts to think about something 
to keep you accountable or something to maybe just focus on a win and celebrate a little bit, but there's a different prompt every day. So the other day, one of the moms was sharing her wins. she had had these phenomenal wins, like things that she could not imagine happening a few months ago are all happening and they're happening like right in a few days of each other, just like big wins, big wins, super exciting things. So we're going back and forth on Facebook. And she said, honestly, the mastermind has boosted my productivity by leaps and bounds. It's a little alarming what can be accomplished by just taking a step back, evaluating priorities, acknowledging self-care, communicating, and sharing with a tribe. Many, many thanks to you, Sarah. So I'm just so excited because this is what I'm seeing happening with everyone in the group is that they're not stressing themselves out by adding more to their plate. They're reprioritizing things so that they're putting things on their plate that they really want to be doing and they're taking other things off their plate. So this mama actually, and prior to that particular comment, had noted that she'd kind of redivided up duties at the house where she was like, yeah, so I outsourced some things to my husband and my children so that I can be focusing on some other things. Brilliant, right? So, like, we don't all have to do everything as moms. We can have other people do things for us. Isn't that amazing and so freeing? So, it's been really, really fun to see these moms taking strides, taking leaps, and really making some progress towards goals that have maybe just been sitting in the background for a long time, but they haven't been able to quite figure out how to make them come to light. And that's happening over and over. So if you're interested in the next round of the Shameless Mom Mastermind, please do send me an email at info at shamelessmom.com and I will add you to the wait list. Right now, I'm just keeping people on my interest list, my wait list, and making sure that I'm getting everyone who's interested in one place. And then as soon as I have details for the next program, I will let you know. I'm kind of putting together information on that in the next week or so. But there's been a lot of demand for another group because a lot of people weren't able to participate in the first one. And then the people who are in the first one want to keep going. So like, I'm going to be doing some, you know, I don't like to hustle, but I'm going to be hustling a little bit next week, just to make sure that I have things up and running so that I can get more of you into this experience so that you can get on like the productivity and dream chasing bandwagon so that you can just feel really, really awesome about how you're spending your time every day and really feel like you're working on things that you really love working on and not just like stressing out over obnoxious things that fill your time and suck your energy. I'm sure that never happens to any of you, right? (laughs) I know nothing ever sucks my energy, right? I'm being so sarcastic right now. Okay, so for today's episode, I actually, this is such a great segue to go from this testimonial about the mastermind group into today's topic is perfect because what happens in the mastermind group is a lot of people, a lot of the moms in the group are really refocusing on their identity. And you have all heard me talk about how I just completely lost my identity after motherhood. I did not have a good understanding of how life-changing motherhood would be. And I kind of thought like, oh, I'll just like add a child to my life, but like everything else will stay the same. And in reality, like nothing stayed the same, which was extremely traumatic for me. And it took me a few years to recover from that. So what I've learned and what I'm teaching these moms in the mastermind group now is how can you work on building or rebuilding your identity at any time? And so sometimes this happens in that first year after you have a baby. Sometimes it happens when your kids are maybe after a transition, when like your last kid is out the door to school. Maybe it happens as your kids are approaching college age and you're looking at empty nests. So it often happens with times of transition. Maybe it's with a career change or a different setup in your household, whether that's a change in your marriage status. Maybe it's a change in who's the primary breadwinner. But whenever you have these significant life changes or life transitions, there's a shift in your identity. And sometimes there's some rebuilding there that happens. Sometimes you're starting over. I feel like I ultimately started from scratch after Vinny was born because I was 
so crushed by the whole experience. Crush sounds so negative, but I was so like, it really brought me to my knees becoming a mom. And just, it was nothing that I expected. Not to say that there weren't some great things in there. There were some amazing, beautiful, powerful, magical things, but there were so many things that I didn't expect that it took me a while to rebuild. And I really do feel like when I finally started rebuilding, it really was a complete do-over. Like it wasn't because for so long I wanted to go back to what it had been. And it really turned out that I wasn't able to do that. I couldn't just go back. I really had to build something new moving forward. So what I want to talk about today is the four C's of rebuilding your identity or building from where you're at right now. And the first C is character. In order to build your identity or rebuild your identity, you have to know what you stand for. Who are you? What do you stand for? What do you not stand for? So essentially, what is your manifesto? I will link to my nasty woman manifesto that I wrote for myself back in November. And I will link to that in the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 129, you can find that. But I wrote that back in November. What that was helpful for for me was it helped me. I already had a good sense of like, you know, what I do in business and what I stand for, what I don't stand for, how I want to build community, how I want to attract certain kinds of people. Like I had my head wrapped around. But what was really helpful to me in writing my Nasty Woman Manifesto was that it allowed me to think beyond just what I was doing professionally. And it really allowed me to think about like what I stand for as a mom, as a woman, different capacities of my life, things that are important to me in terms of how I want to live my life, how I want to be a leader in my life and how I want to model to my child, all those kinds of things. So it was definitely a little more encompassing than things I had considered in the past. When I started the podcast, I was thinking like, you know, these are the things that the podcast stands for and these are the things I want to address. And here's kind of where my values are going to be with the podcast. But when I wrote my manifesto, I made it broader than that and it encompassed my whole life. And that was really helpful for me. And what's been powerful for me since then, since sitting down, and it doesn't need to be, I mean, it really, it didn't take me a long time to write this manifesto. I was pretty emotionally charged when I did it. So it kind of just spewed right out of me. But it doesn't need to be something that takes a long time. It can be literally like set a 10 minute timer and model after what I wrote, model after something else that someone else has written that has been inspirational to you. And then you can go back to it over time and like address things, tweak things, add to things, take away. But when you have just a framework, that can be a really great starting point. And the beauty in having that is that when you make decisions moving forward, you will think back to like, oh, wait, like I decided that this is what I stand for. This is, you know, this is important to me. So one of the things in my manifesto was the way that I treat marginalized groups and something, this is a small example, but it's been meaningful to me. One of the things is that I want to be really aware of how I treat homeless people in Seattle. We have a huge, huge homelessness crisis in Seattle. And it's really easy when you're sitting in your car and someone's standing outside your car window with holding a cardboard sign. It's easy to just not make eye contact. Same thing going in and out of the grocery store. It's easy to not make eye contact. It's easy to just pretend that you don't see anything. But I decided if I want to first model to my child how to like be a compassionate human being, and also if I want to treat people the way I want to be treated, I need to be making eye contact with people regardless of their circumstances. I am no better than anyone else. And why would I not smile at someone who is probably really struggling? They probably need to smile more than anyone else in, you know, in my life that day. So I've been really making an effort when I do see someone asking for money or whatever, I don't give them money necessarily. Sometimes I'll offer them food if I have it with me, but I make eye contact. I say hello today, actually walking into Trader Joe's, there was a man holding a sign asking for money. And he said hi to me. And I said hi. And we had this like little conversation back and forth, a little banter. It was like cute and fun. And I felt like we humanized each other. Like we connected there. I didn't give him money. So 
It wasn't like I felt like he was just being friendly because I gave him something, and nor did I feel obligated to give him money. I felt obligated to follow my values and to treat him as a human being. And so that's one of the things that like writing my manifesto allowed me to address my character and address who I want to be in different scenarios. And so that's just one little example, but that was really powerful to me. And also seeing that like, it's kind of easy over time. Like the first few times I started conversation or made eye contact when it was uncomfortable, especially when you're like sitting at a stoplight, it's uncomfortable to be sitting there for 30 seconds or so, like making eye contact with someone who clearly wants something from you. And maybe you're not going to give them the thing that they want. Like that can be really awkward, but to push through those little moments can also be a humanizing experience for both of you. And it can also be pivotal in terms of like how you build integrity within your own decisions, in your own value systems, within yourself, and also what you are then projecting to your family and modeling for them. So that's the character piece. That can look very different from one person to the next, but I think it's really, really important and really powerful as you start building or rebuilding identity that you're addressing, like, again, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I not stand for? Another thing that I put in my manifesto is like defending people who are not being appropriately represented. And so an example of this would be, you know, I've seen on Facebook, like, people standing in grocery lines making racial slurs, or this actually happened to a friend of ours. He witnessed this on a bus, someone making racial slurs towards someone else. And I've thought about like, if I were to witness that, what would I do? What would I say? How would I manage it? How would I manage myself? Like all those kinds of things. So thinking through, again, thinking through character, also thinking through like, what do I do in my work? What am I representing in my work? And what do I want to be standing for? This is something I've had to think about a lot. And as a gym owner, what do I stand for? I cannot any longer stand for just helping women shrink. That is not what I do. That is not what I'm about. I did that for many years and I was really caught up in like, how do I build a business? And you can pretty easily build a business around creating fear in women and creating like burning desire for them to lose weight. Pretty easily build a business just harping on women's fears and pain points around body image. And so it would be easy for me to continue building my business in that way, to continue to say to women, like, you need to lose belly fat. Here's how you can do it. And here's how you get a six pack. And here's how to, like, you know, never eat carbs again. And the best way to lose 10 pounds in 10 days is these three steps. Like, it would be easy for me to do those things because there's a huge market for that. But I also refuse to help women shrink because they, feel like they have to live to a certain standard. I want to help women live big. That's the integrity and the character that I stand in. So I've shifted that a lot over the last couple of years. And that's really important to me. And so I look at, in, you know, in addition to like, how am I treating people in public? Also, how am I treating people within my business? What are the values that I stand for? How am I building a business around building multiple businesses around core values that really support my character and what I believe in and the way I want to be supporting women? So really give some thought to that piece. Again, look at the Nasty Women Manifesto that I wrote for myself as a framework if you're looking to create something like that for yourself. It can be really helpful. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. 
All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. The second C of building or rebuilding your identity is courage. So you have to look at where and how do you need to be more brave. And this is a big one because it is very easy for us because we're really busy, we're overwhelmed, we're exhausted. It's easy for us to let ourselves off the hook. And this comes down to radical responsibility in many cases. You have to look at your own situation and be like, you know what? I need to put on my big girl pants and I need to do the thing. I need to do hard things. I need to do the thing that I you know, really firmly desire. I need to not run from fear. I need to embrace change. I need to create change. I need to cultivate change. So all these things. And it can be really easy to put those things off because you're like, oh, it's not the right time and I'm so busy and maybe next month or maybe next year. It's so easy to put things off. And this is where I see my masterminders really flourishing is that they're not putting things off. They're like, I'm just gonna try this, see what happens. They have the accountability of checking in with the group really you know, on a daily basis if they want to. So it can be a safe place to be courageous, a safe place to be brave, but really look at where do you need to be building courage or following your courage in your life rather than letting yourself off the hook or rather than living in mediocrity. You don't always need to be hustling. I'm not at all saying that you need to like make every day the biggest day of your life. But also if you're choosing to sit at a place where you're just barely satisfied with a bunch of things, that's not okay either. And you need to take radical responsibility for changing that. And chances are it's not as hard as you think it is to make the changes that you want to make. But the anticipatory anxiety of making change is usually what holds us back. So once we get started and we get the ball rolling, we're like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's just the getting started. I talk about this all the time with people at my gym where they are terrified to show up for their first workout. And then like five minutes into the first workout, they're like, oh, I'm totally good. It's just the nerves going into the thing that you think might be hard or the thing that you think might you know, potentially destroy you or ruin you. And you get a few minutes in or a few steps in and you're like, oh, like I got this. Even if I don't make it to the end, even if I have to take breaks, even if I have to pivot as I go and shift gears here and there. I'm good. So a lot of times taking those courageous steps, taking those brave steps, it's really just a matter of starting. And then once you start, you continually prove to yourself like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing the hard thing. And then the next day you get up and you do it again. And you're like, oh, I continue doing the hard thing. I see this all the time with people making dietary changes where they're really freaked out about like, oh my God, how am I going to live without wine every night? Or how am I going to live without ice cream every night? And then they do it and they're like, whoa, that wasn't that bad. Like maybe I missed the thing a little bit, but like I survived, who knew? So those courageous steps often are not nearly as scary as we think they're going to be once we actually get moving toward them. It's just the anxiety of moving toward it that can be big. And I'm not saying like some things are big and scary. They just are. Starting a new job, making a career change, maybe making something that's going to like dramatically impact your family's financial situation. Like those are all big things. And I don't want to minimize any of those things at all, but recognize what can happen on the other side of that. What is on the other side of fear? On the other side of fear is power and strength. And so you have to push through that fear so that you can actually get the things that you want, so that you can actually be in the position that you want, so that you can actually be achieving at a level that you want to achieve or be living like having more joy or having 
more love or having more satisfaction or having more passion. All these things all come from taking courageous steps. So you really have to look at how are you going to be more courageous? How are you going to be more brave? And how will that impact your identity? It will make a really big difference. For me, like starting the podcast, that was courageous. I was like, who am I to start this? And the person I was really following most closely at the time was Lewis Howes, who gets like multiple millions of downloads a month. He has a multi-million dollar business built around his podcast. So I was like, oh, like that's a pretty cool thing that he's doing. I can do that. But then when I went to actually do it, I was like, who do I think I am? Like, how am I going to get millions of people to follow me every month? Like, there's no way. I don't have millions of people following me every month at this point, but I also have no doubt that I can get there if I keep taking courageous steps. And I'm definitely ahead of where I thought I would be when I first started out. So taking those courageous steps allows you to feel powerful and feel strong, and then you can keep taking more courageous steps, which is definitely what I've been able to do as I've gotten deeper into the podcast and gotten a more clear vision and clarity around what I want to do with this and what I really love about it and how I want to continue to grow it. Hey mamas, I just wanted to pop in and tell you a little bit about our sponsor for this week. So our sponsor for the show today is Aptive. It's an app. So Aptive is an app that brings your personal trainer right into your ears, into your headphones. So you turn on the app and you have a personal trainer taking you through any kind of workout you want, strength training, running, elliptical, biking, yoga, all sorts of things. So I use Aptive in many ways. I use it for running. I use it for yoga. I use it for their seven minute workouts, which I love. But this week I used it when I made myself so ridiculously sore. On Monday, I did a million lunges. On Tuesday, I did a million sprints. And on Wednesday, I could not walk. So Wednesday afternoon, as I was struggling to get on and off the toilet, I decided, oh my gosh, I have to do something to stretch out, but I don't have time to do like a whole yoga class. So I did a seven minute workout on the Aptive app and it was a yoga workout. So I did a seven minute yoga session with the Aptive app. And oh my gosh, I felt so much better. It loosened up my hips, it loosened up my back, and then I could get back to work and enjoy the rest of my day and feel really productive. So if you are interested in any of the workout options that Aptive might have, it is an app you can download onto your phone. If you go to aptive.com, A-A-P-T-I-V.com, and then use the code SMA30 to start your free 30-day trial. So again, that's aptive.com, A-A-P-T-I-V, and use the code SMA30 to start your free 30-day trial. So the third C is collaboration. This is a big one. So when you want to build or rebuild your identity, who are you collaborating with? So this can mean a few different things. It might be collaboration with your family. It might be collaboration with coworkers. It might be collaboration with friends. When I say collaboration, I want you to think about who is on your team. So if you're looking at collaboration with your family, it might be like, Hey guys, so mom's working on this new thing. And it might be, a you know, mom's getting up and working out in the morning. It might be mom's working on a new job thing. It might be that mom is working on like a side hustle and doing like, you know, starting a side project outside of normal work hours, which can be something that the family then has to absorb. So when you are looking at who's on your team and looking directly at your family, think about how do you need them to be collaboration partners or collaborative partners with you as you're working towards something new or as you're building this new identity? If you're saying like, I want to be the person who gets up and works out three days a week or five days a week or whatever, who's on your team? You need your kids and your husband or partner need to know that, hey, this is my plan and here's how you can support me. Just like if your child is about to start on a new journey for something, they're like, you know, maybe they're joining a new soccer team or something. You're like, great, here's how I'm going to support you. I'm going to get you signed up. I'm going to get you the uniform. I'm going to drive you to practice. I'm going to make sure you have snacks. Like there's expectation there, right? That they're going to lean on you and you're going to be supportive. There is nothing wrong with that 
support and leaning going the other direction where you're saying, this is what mom's doing right now. And here's how I need the family to support me. It is absolutely appropriate for that to work both ways. And I was actually on a call yesterday with someone who was talking about like, when she goes into work mode, she has a little sign on her office door and she like flips the sign. And so the kids know that like, okay, mom's doing a work thing. And then they also know that they have like special bins for their special toys that they're allowed to use when mom is in work mode, so that she's not always putting them in front of the TV. So she's like, okay, like, this is like the work, the mom's working toy bin. So she pulls out the toy bin, she puts the sign on the door. And then the expectation is like, you are on your own for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever. And mom is in here doing work. And as soon as I'm done, then we're going to go do our thing. But there's an expectation there of collaboration, which is really important. And I think that that's really powerful for your kids to see that this is how this works. This is how we lean on each other as a family. This is how we support each other. And that might look like a lot of different things. You know, obviously, if you have like a one-year-old, you're not going to be able to close a door and put a sign on it. But just start thinking about how can your family be your collaborative partner rather than every time you do something new or you want to take on something new, you're just adding to an already full plate. Instead, you should be looking at like, okay, you know, mom is taking on this new project. So actually, I'm going to need kids to make lunches at night instead of me or mom's working on a new project. So I'm going to need dad to do drop off in the morning. Again, it can look like a million different things. But when you add new things to your plate, it should not just be that you're adding things on top of an already full plate, you should be taking things off. Where can you move things around? Where can you shift things? Where can you unschedule things? So collaboration outside of your family might be asking for support at work. It might be bringing a babysitter on board or bringing a mother's helper on board to help you with some of the home stuff. It might be doing a childcare trade with a friend. It might be, maybe it's a self-care thing that you want to be working on. And so maybe your collaboration is like, you want to have date night once a week. And so you and your husband get a babysitter. Maybe your husband gets the babysitter lined up and you guys have date night every Wednesday night or every Saturday night or whatever that means. But again, if the goal is date night every week, that doesn't mean that you have to be the person scheduling date night. You have to get the babysitter. You have to make the dinner reservation. You make the plan for the night. Like that doesn't have to be all you. The goal is date night for self-care. Who's on your team to make that happen? If it's a work thing, then you're looking again at who is in your office do you need for support? Again, you're not just taking that all on yourself. Or if work things are growing, then again, where do you need some support at home? It can also be among friends. Like maybe you need more girlfriend time. I think we all need more girlfriend time. (laughs) So again, you're reaching out to friends like, hey, I'm really working on taking time to myself. Like, would you guys want to meet up, you know, every third Wednesday of the month for a girl's night out or a girl's activity or a girl's workout or whatever that might be. So collaboration, who is on your team, who is going to support you, who's going to help you. And make sure you're reaching out and asking for that help and support. We don't do this very often. We're not good at asking for help and support because we like to be mommy martyrs. We like to wear our busy badges. But at the end of the day, wearing that busy badge and being the mommy martyr, all it does is give you a false sense of importance and create a lot of burnout down the road. We've talked about this before. If you listen to my episode on busy badges, when it's all about like, oh, but I'm just so busy and I just can't possibly do it. And oh my gosh, like that is a life you've created for yourself. And if you are taking a lot of pride in that life, then you're building an ego around making yourself look important to other people. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When you're telling other people like, oh, but I'm just so busy, like I can't keep track of anything. That's an ego thing. You don't have to be so busy that you can't keep track of anything. So think about how can you be more collaborative so that you aren't so busy and that you can actually just be enjoying your life more rather than building ego and building importance on this whole idea of being busy and being the martyr and doing everything and taking everything on yourself. And the fourth C of building or rebuilding your identity is confidence. So confidence can be kind of a challenging little beast. Confidence is something that comes often with practice. Confidence is not something that comes to us naturally in most cases, because first of all, women aren't really trained to be overtly confident. We're trained to be like submissive and quiet and dainty. And like, we're not trained to stand up for ourselves. We're not trained to be loud. We're not trained to take up space. So confidence can be a very uncomfortable thing for people because culturally we're taught to like shrink and be delicate and be fragile and be oh so cute and like all those things. So being confident is often the opposite of that. Being confident is like taking up space and being loud and standing up for what you believe in and living like a dude in a lot of cases. Like it's not about being fragile and being cute and wearing pretty pink lacy things. It's totally the opposite of like rocking whatever you want to rock, no matter what color it is, no matter how lacy it is, no matter what anyone else thinks about it. And so confidence can be a challenge for people and it can take some time. So when you're looking at building confidence in your identity, it takes practice and it literally takes like small things like, you know what, I'm going to wear this lipstick color that I would never wear. I would never wear something that's this bright, but I'm going to wear it anyways, because this is what I want to do today. And even if my friends stare and are saying like, what are you doing? Just say like, oh, I'm trying out a new lipstick color without like, oh my gosh, what do you think? Yeah, it's too much. How huh? should I go take it off? Just owning your decisions. When someone gives you a compliment, instead of saying, I'm so guilty of this, when someone says like, oh, wow, I really love your shoes or your dress or your shirt or your coat or whatever, instead of saying like, oh yeah, this old thing, like I got it, you know, it was totally on sale at Banana Republic or whatever. And like, you're kind of dismissive. Instead of, instead of being dismissive of a compliment, saying like, oh, thanks. And just leaving it at that. Like oftentimes we feel like we have to justify a compliment 
like to really earn it. So someone will compliment us on something and we're like, either we dismiss the whole thing, like by minimizing the situation or we justify the compliment by making some sort of like excuse like, oh yeah, I'm wearing this cute dress because I'm going to this thing or I had to get dressed up for whatever. So we like put this like justification around it instead of just being like, yeah, thanks. Great. And just taking the compliment that can be very uncomfortable. So practice taking compliments without justifying them or without minimizing them. Practice being the boss. Practice just being like, yeah, I'm wearing something I normally never wear. I'm making a decision I normally wouldn't make. I am trying something I normally wouldn't try. Like doing things that might shock people and then being like, yep, that's what I'm doing. And not like having to put a whole lot of framework around it for people, not having to explain it, not having to justify it, not having to fall victim to doubting yourself because other people don't expect this thing from you. So that is all complicated and it takes practice. But letting yourself be the boss, owning what you do, taking pride in your actions, not letting yourself be trampled on or persuaded by other people's beliefs and opinions. Those are all big, big things, but you have to be willing and able to practice them. And then they start becoming more natural and they start becoming much less awkward. Initially, you're going to be faking your confidence 100%. Like your skin will be crawling when you're taking a compliment and you just say, thank you. You'll be like, thank you. And inside you're gonna be like, oh my God. And I just wanna also say that like, I got this for really cheap and it was on sale and I normally don't dress up and blah, blah, blah. Like that'll all be going in your head. But then the, every time after that, that underlying conversation will get quieter and quieter and you'll just be able to take a compliment and be like, oh yeah, cool, thanks. That's really nice. Or another great one, my friend Angela says this and I love it. She'll say, thanks, that's nice of you to say. And so again, which doesn't minimize anything, but you're just acknowledging that like that the other person took a moment to acknowledge you, which I think is nice. And then it's a little bit of a longer sentence because ending a sentence with thanks and just leaving it at that can be very uncomfortable. Also, the other part of confidence is really understanding, going back to number one, understanding what your character is. And so if you know how you're building your character, then it's easier to build confidence around that. So you really do have to have that underlying sense of like, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I don't stand for. And then you can start making decisions and taking action around that, which will help you build confidence. A lot of building confidence is getting comfortable being uncomfortable and just practicing being uncomfortable. And then they start becoming less uncomfortable. And so like for me, you know, getting on stage, getting behind a mic for many years was super, super uncomfortable. But now like easiest thing in the world because I've practiced it a million times. I understand that for other people that is terrifying. I'm on Zoom calls weekly with a couple different groups of people. And I know sometimes when I call on people on Zoom video calling, they're like, oh my God, like they feel like they are on a world stage talking on a video conference call with 10 other people. So it's totally different for other people based on their experience. For me, that's got, you know, for me talking on video, talking on stage, talking behind a mic is not a big deal because I've practiced it over time. So I've been able to, initially I had to fake my confidence 100%, but now I'm totally confident. So I also think the other piece of practicing being confident is really understanding that you're going to fake it till you make it and you're going to fake it till you become it. So fake it till you make it really is a matter of, I'm going to do this until I am totally inside of this experience and I own it and I live it and I breathe it and it is part of me. And I think that, you know, I see this with exercise with people where the first few months maybe that you get up and exercise first thing in the morning, it's like, it's not even you. You're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. This is 
awful getting up out of bed early. This doesn't feel good. I'm tired. Exercise is not that fun. Like I would rather sleep in longer. But then over time with practice, you build an identity around the behavior and that builds confidence in the routine. So then after a few months, you're like, wow, I couldn't imagine not doing this. Like there's so much value in this. And this has become a core value to me that I would never stop doing this thing. And so it, That's what happens with practice is that you build confidence in whatever area that you're looking to build confidence in. It's a matter of practicing it over and over so that you can continue to confirm to yourself that this is actually important and significant to you and that this actually is part of your value system. It's part of, you know, your character, your integrity and all those things. So those are your four C's of building or rebuilding your identity, character, courage, collaboration, confidence. So do go check out my Nasty Women Manifesto if you want ideas on how to create your own manifesto. And then just put those four C's on a post-it note, character, courage, collaboration, confidence, and just put them on your mirror in the morning or put them on your mirror. And then in the morning when you're brushing your teeth and at night, when you're just like staring off into space, look at those four C's and identify like just one by one, like what did I do today to work on character? What did I do to work on courage? What did I do to work on collaboration? What did I do to work on confidence? Because those reminders can be really helpful in actually taking action and building momentum around those themes in your life. Taking action, it takes practicing new behavior. It takes practicing new mindsets to actually create the new identity. So creating the new identity is really a matter of practicing little things over time. And these four C's, it's where you can start rebuilding that framework. And it gives you some great places to start with action steps. But you have to recognize that rebuilding identity is going to take some time. It took me years after I had my child to rebuild my identity and figure out like, okay, what is this body that I am standing in now? And where are we going? What are we doing here today? What are we going to do tomorrow? Like, how are we going to exist in this world? as a mom, in addition to, you know, a woman and an entrepreneur and a wife and a daughter and a sister and like all of those things. And so it takes time for sure. But this is a little bit of a framework to get you going. So I hope that was really helpful. If you are interested in more work around this and more masterminding around this and more guidance and support, definitely email me at info at shamelessmom.com so that I can add you to my wait list for the next mastermind group, because that will be a place where you can really get a lot of support around these themes and around make, you know, taking some very specific action to start rebuilding your identity or building your identity from where you're at right now. So if this episode was helpful, please share it. You can go to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 129 to get a link to the episode, or you can share from our social media platforms because our episodes will be up at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to subscribe, if this is your first time listening and you love the show, which of course you did, right? Then you can go and subscribe on iTunes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, that will drop you into iTunes and you can click on the subscribe button. And so as soon as we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday without fail, you will get a notification that you have a new episode and the episode will be just sitting right there waiting for you so that you can listen immediately and never miss anything shameless in the Shameless Mom Academy. So thank you for spending time with me today. I hope you had a good time listening. I hope you learned a few things and I hope no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.